Chapter Twenty Two of Mildred at Rosens by Martha Finley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Amy. Chapter Twenty Second. I would that thou mightst ever be as beautiful as now, that time might ever leave as free thy yet unwritten brow. Willis. When will my grandpa come? Little Elsie asked again and again, and finding that no one could tell her, she set herself to watch the passing boats often coaxing her mammy out upon the lawn or down to the very water's edge in her eagerness for a sight of him her first look into the face of a relative she was fond of mrs murray as she had been of mr cameron and clung with ardent affection to her mammy yet the baby heart yearned for parental love and naturally she expected it from her grandfather had she heard that her father was coming she would have been wild with joy the arrival of her grandfather seemed the next best thing that could happen Mildred knew nothing of the child's anticipations, yet her heart ached for the little creature, as she perceived how determined Mr. Dinsmore was to shut her out from his. "'She's a fortunate little miss,' he remarked of her, as they came in sight of a sugar and orange plantation, exceeding in size and fertility almost any they had passed, and the captain of the boat, pointing it out, said, "'That's Viamede, the old Grayson place.' They were sweeping by a large sugar house, then came an immense orange orchard, and then a long and wide stretch of lawn, with the loveliest carpet of velvety green and most magnificent shade-trees that they had ever beheld, half-concealing with their great arms and abundant foliage, a lordly mansion set far back among them. So surpassingly lovely was the whole scene, that for a moment Mildred could have echoed her uncle's words, and almost found it in her heart to envy the young heiress of it all. But the next she said to herself, "'No, no!' Not for all this would I be so lonely and loveless as she, poor little forlorn girlie. The boat rounded to at the little pier. Close by, in the shade of a great oak, stood an elderly colored woman with a child in her arms, a little girl of fairy-like form, and face perfect in outline and feature, a complexion of dazzling brilliance, a countenance radiant with delight, as she watched the travelers stepping ashore. "'This is she, I presume,' Mr. Dinsmore said, coolly halting in front of the two. "'What's your name, child?' "'Elsie Dinsmore,' she answered, her lip quivering, the large soft eyes filling with tears. "'I thought it was my grandpa coming.' "'And so it is,' he said, slightly touched by her evident disappointment. "'Have you a kiss for me?' For answer, she threw both arms about his neck as he bent toward her, and pressed her red lips to his. He disengaged himself rather hastily, stepping back to give place to Mildred, who— gazing with delight upon the beautiful little creature, was eagerly awaiting her turn. "'You darling!' she cried, clasping the child in a warm embrace. "'This is Cousin Milly, and she's going to love you dearly, dearly.' "'Thank you, miss,' said Aunt Chloe, with tears in her eyes. "'And welcome to Viamede, miss. Welcome, massa,' dropping a curtsy to each. Mrs. Murray and several servants now came hurrying toward them. There were more curtsies and welcomes. The baggage was seized and quickly transported to the house. The travellers, Mrs. Murray and Aunt Chloe with her little charge, following it leisurely. Mildred was filled with delight at the beauty surrounding her, yet more attracted by the child than by all else. She turned toward her with an affectionate smile, and the little one, now walking by her nurse's side, returning it with one of rare sweetness, ran to her and slipped a tiny, soft white hand into hers. "'Isn't she beautiful, Uncle?' Mildred asked with enthusiasm at the first opportunity for doing so without being overheard. "'She's no Dinsmore,' he said coldly. "'Not a trace of Horace's looks about her. Must be all Grayson, I presume.' 
Oh, how can he, thought Mildred. How can he harden his heart so against anything so gentle and beautiful? They were standing on the veranda for a moment, admiring the view and watching the departure of the boat that had brought them, while Mrs. Murray was busied in giving directions in regard to the disposal of their luggage. A suite of delightful apartments had been appropriated to Mildred's use during her stay. Conducted thither by Aunt Chloe and her nursling, she took possession with great content, and with the assistance of a skilled waiting-maid, also placed at her service, soon arrayed her neat figure in a becoming dinner-dress, while little Elsie and her mammy looked on admiringly the while. "'Isn't my cousin so pretty, mammy?' whispered the little one. Mildred heard, and turning with a pleased smile, held out her hand to the child. "'Won't you come and sit on cousin's lap a little while? I can tell you about your dear papa, for I know him.' The child's face grew radiant, and she hastened to accept the invitation. "'Oh!' she said. "'Please do. Will he come here soon? I want to see my papa. I want to kiss him and love him.' The soft eyes filled with tears, and the red lips quivered. Mildred clasped the little form close in her arms, and kissed the sweet, fair face over and over, exclaiming in tremulous tones, "'You dear, precious baby, if he could only see you, I'm sure he couldn't help loving you with all his heart.' The travellers were summoned to the dinner-table, and little Elsie partook with them, conducting herself with the utmost propriety. "'She seems a well-behaved child,' her grandfather remarked graciously. "'How old are you, my dear? Can you tell?' "'I's four, piped the bird-like voice. "'I's a big girl now, Grandpa. Too big to be naughty, but sometimes I's not very good.' "'Ah, that's honest,' he said with an amused smile. "'Well, what do they do to you when you're naughty?' "'When I was a little girl,' Mammy put me in the corner sometimes. And what now you are so large? She just say, Jesus not pleased with my darling child when she naughty. But you don't mind that, do you? He asked curiously. She looked at him with innocent, wondering eyes. Elsie loves Jesus. Elsie wants Jesus to love her and make her his little lamb. She asks him to do it every day. Stuff, he muttered in a tone of annoyance, but tears of joy and thankfulness welled up in Mildred's eyes. Blessed baby, she thought, you will not have a lonely, loveless life if you have so soon begun to seek the dear Saviour. Ah, how my mother's heart will rejoice to hear this. On coming to the table, the little one had folded her tiny hands, and bending with closed eyes over her plate, murmured a short grace. But Mr. Dinsmore, busying himself in carving a fowl, did not seem to notice it. Yet it had not escaped him. He was watching the child furtively, and with far more interest than he would have liked to own. "'I'm afraid they're making a canting hypocrite of her,' he said to Mildred when they had retired to the drawing-room. "'Oh, uncle, do not say that!' exclaimed Mildred. "'It is just the way my dear mother, whom you admire so much, trains and teaches her children.' "'Ah,' he said, "'then I shall have to retract.' "'What pretty manners she has, uncle, both at the table and elsewhere,' remarked Mildred. "'She handles knife, fork, and spoon as deftly as possible, and is so gentle and refined in all she does and says.' "'Yes,' he said with some pride. "'A trust in uncouth, ill-mannered Dinsmore "'might be considered an anomaly indeed.' "'Then you acknowledge that she is a Dinsmore?' "'Mildred said playfully. "'Have I ever denied that she was Horace's child?' "'He answered with a smile. "'I wish he could see her at this moment. "'I am sure he could not help feeling "'that he had good reason to be proud of her,' "'Mildred said, approaching a window that looked out upon the lawn, "'where the little one was wandering about gathering flowers. "'See, uncle,' not every movement full of grace? You seem to be quite bewitched with her, he returned good-humouredly, following the direction of her glance. Children's movements are not apt to be ungraceful, I think. 
This is a fine old mansion, he went on, and seems to be well furnished throughout. Have you been in the library? No? Then come, we will visit it now. Your heart will rejoice at the sight of the well-filled bookshelves. Ah, I knew it, watching the expression of keen satisfaction with which she regarded them when he had taken her there. They consisted largely of very valuable works in every branch of literature, and Mildred's sole regret was that she would have so little time to examine and enjoy them. There were also some few fine paintings and beautiful pieces of statuary in the room, and indeed scattered through all the principal rooms of the house, the drawing-room being especially rich in them. They lingered for some time over these works of art, then went out upon the veranda, presently wandering on from that to the lawn, where they strolled about a little, and finally seated themselves under a beautiful magnolia. "'Ah, see what a pretty picture they make!' Mildred exclaimed, glancing in the direction of another, at some little distance, in whose shade Aunt Chloe was seated upon the grass with Elsie in her lap, both busied with the flowers they had been gathering. "'Yes,' said Mr. Dinsmore, "'and what a striking contrast! The child so young and delicately fair, the nurse so black and elderly. She seems much attached to her charge.' "'Yes, indeed!' "'You do not think of separating them, uncle?' "'Certainly not. Why should I?' Mildred answered only with a pleased look, for at that moment little Elsie left her mammy, and came running with a lovely bouquet in each hand. "'One for you, Grandpa, and one for Cousin Milly,' she said, dropping a graceful little curtsy as she presented them. "'Thank you, dear. How pretty they are,' Mildred said, kissing her. "'Humph! What shall I do with it?' Mr. Dinsmore asked, accepting his. "'Put it in your buttonhole.' said the child. That's the way Uncle does. Uncle? Who is he? You have none that you ever saw, so far as I know. Massa Cameron, sir, explained Aunt Chloe, coming up. He always told my child, call him dat. Well, she needn't do so any more. I don't like it. Do you hear? To Elsie. Don't call that man Uncle again. He was no relation whatever to you. His tone spoke displeasure, and the little one drew back to the shelter of her mammy's arms, with a frightened look, her lip trembling, her soft brown eyes full of tears. "'There, there,' he said more gently. "'Don't cry. I'm not angry with you. You knew no better.' He rose and wandered away toward the rear of the mansion, and Mildred drew Elsie to a seat upon her lap, caressing her tenderly. "'Sweet little girlie,' she said. "'Cousin loves you dearly already, and cannot bear to see tears in those eyes. Tell me about your sweet pretty mamma. "'Here she is, cousin. Don't you love her, too?' prattled the babe, drawing forth the miniature from her bosom, and quickly forgetting her momentary grief in displaying it. "'She's gone up to heaven to stay with Jesus, and some day he'll take Elsie there, too.' "'Mildred,' said Mr. Dinsmore, coming back, "'I hear there are fine saddle-horses in the stables. If I order two of them brought round, will you ride over the plantation with me?' "'Gladly,' she said, putting the child gently down and rising with alacrity. "'I will go at once and don my riding habit. You shall tell me the rest another time, little pet.' Already enthusiastic admirers of Viamede, they returned from their ride doubly impressed with its beauties. "'It seems an earthly paradise,' Mildred wrote to her mother, "'and the little owner is the loveliest, most fairy-like little creature you can imagine. So sweet, so gentle, so beautiful, and good as she is pretty. Mrs. Murray tells me she is generosity itself, and she doesn't believe there is a grain of selfishness in her nature. Elsie showed me her mamma's miniature, and is so sweet and beautiful.' that I do not wonder Cousin Horace lost his heart at first sight. But it was not until the next day that this letter was written. Mildred had enough to do that day in looking about her and making acquaintance with Elsie and her attendants. After tea, Mr. Dinsmore being closeted with the overseer, she made her way to the nursery, coaxed the little one into her lap again, though indeed no great amount of persuasion was needed, 
and amused her for an hour or two with stories and nursery rhymes. But the child's bedtime drew near, and with a tender good night, a lingering, loving caress, Mildred left her and went down to the drawing room. Her uncle was not there, and passing out to the veranda, she fell into chat with Mrs. Murray, whom she found seated there, enjoying the beautiful scenery and the soft evening air. Their talk turned naturally upon Viamede and the Grayson family, particularly Horace Dinsmore's wife, the last of the race, Mrs. Murray giving many details that were of great interest to her hearer. "'She was very lovely,' she said, "'both in person and in character, a sweet, earnest, childlike Christian, and the Baron is wonderfully like her. She seemed to me a lamb of the fold from her very birth, and nay do it in answer to the mother's prayers. Ye can, Miss Keith, that she lived scarce a week after her babe was born, and all her anxiety was that it should be trained up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, her constant prayer that he would be pleased to make it his own. The bit barony isn't a perfect, of course, but quite as near it as grown folk. It's very evident that she tries to please the blessed Saviour, that she grieves when she's done wrong, and can't rest till she's been away by herself to beg his forgiveness. I tell her whiles about the new heart God gives to his children, and that he will give it to us such as ask earnestly, and she will look up in my face with those great innocent eyes and answer, Yes, Mrs. Murray, and I do ask earnestly every day. The old lady brushed away a tear, and her voice was slightly tremulous as she added, Mr. Cameron used to fret a bit whiles that she was too good to live, like her mother before her, he would say. But I cannot think early piety any sign that life will be short, except, indeed, that when the work of grace is fully done, glory follows. She's come o'er a God-fearing race, Miss Keith, and the Lord's eye faithful to his promise, showing mercy to thousands of generations of them that love him and keep his commandments. End of chapter 22 Recording by Amy